You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Nashville, Tennessee. No, we're live in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Rounders, the place to be. And pretty much everyone who's in Tuscaloosa is here right now. We got major upsets probably coming this week. We got a huge game down the road. AM, only about a 24 or so point underdog. So I'm sure that'll be close this Saturday night. We got a lot to talk about. But look, before we get into the show tonight, if I were to start a roll tight chant, how would we feel about it? A lively crowd here at Rounders in Tuscaloosa. I got a special guest, a longtime friend of this program that uh, most of you know, but I'll introduce him a little bit later on. Got some added best bets. Look, they're watching us all over, really the world and the country, but most importantly, they're tuning in to Tuscaloosa, Alabama tonight. They're gathered in Tuscaloosa, Alabama tonight, and we appreciate them being here. We got a lot to get to. Firstly, 10 of the top 25 teams in the country went down last week, okay? So we want to get out in front of that. We don't want to look like we have egg all over our face when Saturday the dust settles and you've lost all your money and you're talking to your parents about needing more to make it through the week. So here's what I want to do. I want to look at the slate this week, and I want to ask, where are those upsets coming? You see what's on tap for the show tonight. we got a lot of fun. We're probably going to take some Q&A live from the crowd, so... Just stay tuned. It could go any of a number of different directions. But let's dive into these shows really quick, or let's dive into these games really quick. Arkansas is on the road at Mississippi State. Bama just laid waste to Arkansas last week. And I hope you people are happy with yourselves because K.J. Jefferson, quarterback for Arkansas, probably doesn't play this Saturday on the road at Mississippi State. Quarterback's in a bad way there. Okay, secondary, in a bad way there. We saw that last week. Bad vibes around that team. Most of the time... I know Arkansas pretty well. Most of the time, when Arkansas is going into the game, if they're a dog and they're going to pull that thing, you normally feel it. There's like a little groundswell locally. I haven't felt that this week. And that line's crept all the way up to like nine in favor of Mississippi State. Mississippi State had that click-on moment for them last week in Starkville against Texas A&M, the remnants of which will come into Tuscaloosa Saturday night. I don't feel this at all. Mississippi State's won the last two in this series by 18 or more. So I'm going to put this at a three. I really... I don't get that upset vibe. Will Rogers is rolling. I don't get that upset vibe. And more importantly, I don't think anyone around Arkansas gets that upset vibe. Michigan is at Indiana. This is a game that's going to be off everyone's radar. The line on this thing's over three touchdowns. And I know what a lot of you are thinking, because a lot of you just flat out don't believe in Michigan yet. And I'm not telling you they're Bama or Ohio State or Georgia, but I think they're a pretty good team. And I think that this game with Indiana ready to sell out against the run is probably the kind of game where J.J. McCarthy – 
sort of a little bit goes off, maybe not to like a Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud level, but kind of goes off and probably has his statement game. I know it's a letdown spot. I know it's a look-ahead spot. That's why I think the number's only 22.5. So if you want to talk to me about Indiana covering, I'll listen to you. If you want to talk to me about Indiana winning, I probably don't have a lot of time to listen to you. I'm going to put that one at a 3 on the scale of 1 to 10. The game that, uh, full disclosure, I was going to be at. I was not going to be in Tuscaloosa this evening. I was going to be in Dallas. We were going to be out at the Red River Shootout, like we were last year. But then life happened. <laughs> life can do funny things to you. You know, life did a funny thing to Texas in week two, and Bama goes into Austin and beats Texas, for example. And we were there for that game. Texas, though, feels like they're kind of ready to hit a reset button. They're all the way up to a nine-point favorite. And this opened at less than a touchdown, but you got a couple of news bits today. You know Quinn Ewers is playing now for Texas. He has not played since that Bama game, the first half of that Bama game. We also likewise do not think Dylan Gabriel is playing for Oklahoma. And man, I don't feel a lot of energy around the Oklahoma program. They have fumbled the bag horrifically the past two weeks. So you've got the quarterback dynamic there. You've got the memory of last year. I'm on the field for this game last year. And it almost feels like it's a runaway for Texas. And all the Texas folks are standing around you and they're saying, nope, 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 it's not over. Trust me, it's not over. And they were right. And Oklahoma storms all the way back and they win. So you've got the quarterback edge. You've got recent history on your side. Oklahoma's defense is in complete and utter shambles right now. So got a buddy back in Nashville, or I guess Charlotte now, Trey Scott, who claimed this line was going to get to 10. It looks like he may be right. I take Texas. I take him by double digits. I put this at a five because I understand the rivalry aspect. I've seen this game. Last year, true story, at halftime. I walked myself up the tunnel, I walked out of the stadium, got a funnel cake because it's at the state fair, and then I made it back in by kickoff of the second half. So it's a really incredible atmosphere. Uh, but we're not there because we, we don't go cover two lost teams in October. That's just the way it is. That's why we're here instead. Clemson at Boston College. What do you, th what do you guys think about Clemson? Are you on board with Clemson? No? Something about recent history, I don't know. I heard about it, I'll ask about it later. Clemson is about a three-touchdown favorite at Boston College. The line's about 20-and-a-half right now. I'm looking on our monitor. So at Caesars, it's about 20-and-a-half. The purely dynamic side of things, you know, the part of me that appreciates scheduling and how hard it is to be up three weeks in a row in college football, that makes me look at this and at least say, huh, let me, let me set a reminder. Let me make sure to check on this game because I know they had to be up for Wake Forest. It was an overtime game. I know they definitely had to be up to play as good as I've seen Clemson play in two years last week when they beat NC State. I know that. Can you get a college team up a third week in a row to the degree they need to be to avoid stumbling here? But when I look at how fat that line is, I keep coming back to the idea of cover versus upset. Are they going to cover? The model actually says no for what it's worth. The model actually looks and kind of likes Boston College. What it doesn't like them to do, though, is challenged in the fourth quarter because of the horrific nature of the Boston College offensive line. And it's one of the big mismatches in the ACC this Saturday, actually. Boston College up front offensively against Clemson defensively. I'm going to put this at a four, okay, because there, there still is that, that memory that's not too foggy in my mind about what happened last year when Clemson didn't click. They're clicking this year so far. But if you have that clunker of a game, could be close. I'm going to put it at a four. Uh, lastly... I'm going to ask about two more teams here. I'm going to ask about a matchup. I just want you guys 
to shout out who you would prefer to win this game? Auburn versus Georgia. So hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on just a second. Hold on. So uh, just by a show of cheer, if you would prefer Georgia to win this game, let me hear you. If you would prefer Auburn to win this game, let me hear you. Let me tell you what you just heard, okay? For those of you who live in Fargo, North Dakota, or South Dakota, you probably think that these people despise Auburn and don't care about Georgia because you've only heard about the rivalry aspect. These people aren't threatened by Auburn. They don't really care. That's why half of them are pulling for Auburn to beat Georgia because that's the kind of dynamic that exists in this state now. I have no idea how this were to happen. If it does happen, I have no idea how it would happen. I do know how, again, Georgia doesn't cover. I watched them last week. I watched them the week before. But does anyone want to paint a scenario for me? Like, is there anyone in this room who could sell me on Auburn money line? Would anyone put their own money on that? I have a really hard time. I have a hard. I, I said put actual money on it now, not just say it. You're putting money on it? Could you please come here? Okay. Okay. So we're talking Auburn, Georgia here. I'm going to ask you your name. I'm Russell Dow. Hello, Russell. Do you, um, I'm just going to ask a personal question. Are you broke or do you have money? I mean, I have a little bit of money. A little bit of money. Okay. And um, the last remaining dollars you have in your bank account, you would be willing to bet on Auburn. I would. Stetson Bennett's weak. He's not an elite quarterback. Give me Robbie Ashford and Tank Bigsby. Georgia's thrown two goose eggs out there against Kent State and Missouri. I'm telling you, I'm feeling Auburn this game. Easy. Okay, now... The follow-up, hold on, let me, let, me, let me just be fair here. The follow-up question that I want to ask you, and here's an Academy gift card for your troubles. That's not charity. It's because of what I'm about to do to you. Could you tell me your favorite moment from Auburn quarterbacks this year? You know, Robbie Ashford had a really long block run where he showed a lot of effort. That is that. That, that takes some heart right there. I'm not seeing that out of Stetson Bennett or almost anybody on Georgia's team whatsoever. And I mean, I'm just waiting for the SEC championship game because Georgia makes it. They're done for. Okay, Russell, I'm going I'm to shake your hand. I respect the boldness. I cannot respect the pick necessarily, but I respect the boldness. Meanwhile, are you ready? Are you ready to take Auburn? Are you going to do it? Are you going to do it? Okay, I think on the discussion between Georgia and Auburn. So, I think Georgia definitely is better. What? Than Auburn? Just go, just go. No, I'm, okay. And that's all I'm going to say. Thank you, ma'am. Okay, look. This is not happening. And I don't care what the people in Tuscaloosa say. This is not happening Saturday. 0.5 is the rating on which this upset is possible. So, yes, you could see some. I just don't think it's happening in Athens, Georgia this Saturday. But look, the follow-up question we're going to ask a little bit later is, if that's not true, if our boy Russell is wrong, and if it's like 
38 to 3 in the fourth quarter. Well, then we have to start asking ourselves a different question, and that is, who's the head coach of this team next week? Who's the head coach of this team next month? Who's the head coach by the time they play Alabama? You know, that's the kind of conversation that we start to get in. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, look, we're able to go on the road now, and we didn't used to be able to do this, but our partners at Academy Sports and Outdoors. Yes, yes. Have made it possible for us to do a lot of different things. So what I want to do right now is I want to pull a number of Academy Sports and Outdoors gift cards out, and I want to very recklessly and irresponsibly just start throwing them to the crowd. There we go. They are our exclusive partner. There you go, ma'am. There you go, ma'am. Your one-stop shop for sporting goods needs and life necessities. And if you don't have one on your street corner, academy.com is the place to go. And look, we got someone right behind us from Louisville, Kentucky. In nearby, in nearby Jeffersonville, Indiana, they're opening up a brand new academy this Saturday. So if you get there, and you can prove to me that you were there. Remember, Chalai of Supremacy are on the line if you can prove that. So a big weekend coming up in really Alabama, all over the south, but also in Jeffersonville, Indiana. Okay, here's what I want to do. I want to remind you why we're here. So for those of you in Fort Lauderdale, we're about to tee up the sot in just a second. Daniel, we're about to get you out here in just a second. So I want to remind you guys why we're here because a while back, and it feels like people have kind of forgotten about it, not around here, but nationally. A while back, there was this little back and forth, maybe you heard it in the summer, between Nick Saban just making his thoughts known on how the NIL portion of recruiting has been going lately. And he directed some of those comments towards Jimbo Fisher. Jimbo Fisher, not one to miss a press conference, saunters to the podium in jeans, no less, the next morning in College Station, and he made his thoughts known. Now, what I wanted to do tonight, before we enter into a little free-flowing discussion here with about 200 of our best friends about this game this Saturday, is I just wanted to remind you what that sounded like this summer. Take a listen. But I know the consequence is going to be difficult for the people who are spending tons of money to get players. And you've read about them. You know who they are. I mean, we were second in recruiting last year. A&M was first. A&M bought every player on their team, made a deal for name, image, and likeness. All right, we didn't buy one player. All right, but I don't know if we're going to be able to sustain that in the future because more and more people are doing it. A reputable head coach 
could come out and say this when he doesn't get his way or things don't go his way. The narcissist in him doesn't allow those things to happen, and it's ridiculous. But when, when he's not on top, and the parody in college football he's been talking about, go talk to coaches who coach for him. You'll find out all the parody. Go dig into wherever he's been. You can find out anything. And it's a shame that you've got to sit here and defend 17-year-old kids and families in Texas A&M because we do things right. We're always going to do things right. And we're, not, we're always going to be here. And so it was, kids, that Texas A&M came into Alabama. So uh, just out of curiosity, how many of you saw that the night it happened? Okay. Out of curiosity, what would you do if Jimbo walked in right now? Okay. So just got demonetized. So not necessarily popular here tonight. Uh, look, let's talk about this game for a second. But the first thing I wanted to do is I wanted to introduce you to a friend of ours. We're back on screen here. This guy here, you know him, but you don't know that you know him because you may know him as college football nerds, Nerd Daniel, but this is a fine, upstanding individual. This man's, welcome to the show, by the way, sir. This man's name is Daniel Dillard. I've known him since before we ever ventured onto this platform because he was the one who told me, you know, you may want to try YouTube out. And so their channel had been ultra successful before we ever got a view on here. College Football Nerds is a great channel. It's one of the few that I watch every week. So that's about the best endorsement that I can give. But they do their own content, but I kind of wanted to bring you in here because I wanted to ask you, let's go generic, and then let's just dive in. The game in general, what you thought it would be like in summer, and then what we have on our hands this Saturday. So it's interesting because I thought this summer that this would be the biggest game for Alabama this year, and given what Auburn's done, maybe it still will be. Um, but obviously the quarterback situation has really thrown a wrench into all of this. Um, but then the quarterback situation, if you watch in the spring, we kind of flagged that a and going to struggle. And it didn't matter if it was Haynes King or, or Max Johnson, they were going to struggle. And I don't think that we've been surprised. But the thing that surprised me so much so, much so far with A&M is the 17, 13 to 17 points they're getting on offense every game, it doesn't matter who they play, that's who they are at this point. Yeah. I keep expecting them to put up a 30, 35 against a decent team, and they haven't done it. Here's what's wild. When you think about them, yeah, you think offensive struggle because it's not new, man. I mean, look, you've said it. I've said it. Je we Ner saw the water jug. Yes, Nerd Josh has said it. It's, it's so hard, man. It feels like every first down in that A&M offensive scheme is a chore. There, there is no Steve Sarkeesian, let's, let's get a free play over here. Let's get an easy five, an easy ten. But that's not new. It's new for me to turn on an App State A&M game and watching A&M get run on. It's new for me to watch Miami run the ball on them. It's new for me to see them giving up about five yards per carry. And by the way, for those of you who don't just keep up with stats all the time, that's good for 97th in the country yep. in yards per rush allowed. That's not what we're used to with A&M. So offense, there hasn't been a progression. Defense, you can chalk it up to being young or whatever the case may be. You have a regression, and now you've got a team that's already a multi-loss team. They're a huge underdog here. They're going to lose Saturday, and they're going to be a three-loss team. And then you still have the rest of the SEC West to deal with. And all of a sudden, you go from thinking like, nine and three, would I take it? Yeah, I'd take it. That was the attitude from a lot of my A&M buddies sure. in the preseason. Now it's nine and three, like, 
what would I have to sacrifice yeah. to what God to yeah. get nine and three? And I don't. I think the temperature and the conversation could get really unhealthy really quickly if this game goes sideways for them Saturday. Well, the thing we said on our show and our preview about this game was, you know, at some point Jimbo's got the buyout, right? And, and I don't think he's going anywhere anytime soon. Does he? Does his hubris get in the way of him getting an offensive coordinator? He's been around the game enough. He knows how to run a program. Let him run a program. Step aside on the play calling. Step aside on the OC. Let somebody else do that. And you've got every resource in the world, and you've got a bunch of talent. Yeah. Here's the thing you just said. I don't want to skip over this. So you said, let him hire an OC. And that's so easy. It's like we watched Nick Saban here just totally transform offensive football in Tuscaloosa. Okay? That was something that's a part of his program. It wasn't something that was a part of Nick Saban. Everything about what A&M is offensively, everything about what any football program Jimbo Fisher coaches is, is at his core him on Saturdays with those play sheets. Oh, in sure. His hand, it says I did Call in yeah. place. Dude, I, I, I think that the blank check will be given to him. I, I don't think there will be any hesitation. Uh, and I think he'll even be told, hey, you, you're going to have to do this for us. It's just that, hey, hey, what does that say, by the way? Here's the problem. Okay, look, if you're listening on podcast, we've got a poster back there. What did that poster say? Okay. I want to stress, their words, not mine. The problem is if I put a possessive apostrophe there and I just put Jimbo Fisher's offense sucks, that's pretty much how people feel in College Station right now. And that's his own fan base. That's his own fan base. So that's the big talk in College Station right now is this season's going to be what it's going to be. But I think the hardcore conversation that's about to be had is not will he be able to, will he be willing to pull that trigger? And, and what does an offensive coordinator at Texas A&M actually do? Well, hopefully do something more than Jimbo Fisher's doing. But think about this. The concern I have if I'm an A&M fan is, okay, they got a lot of recruiting heat from NIL, but at some point you got to perform on that. Yeah. And they sold these players. There's a lot of talent this year, bumper crop in the Houston area. They sold them on the one game they went on against Alabama, but still went like 8-4. and four. And then the year before, the COVID year, where they, I think they won 10, 11 games, but the problem is this year is kind of proof of maybe who they are, not who they can sell themselves to be. And then you start getting negative recruiting inertia, and that's where the people with the money start getting worried. How many people will be at this game Saturday night? I can tell you, I know nationally people look at a 24-point spread, and they think, oh, that one's not going to be as attractive as it once was. There are a lot of teams who come in here and are three or four touchdown dogs. And sometimes the crowd is what it is. I think it's going to be extremely hostile Saturday. Like, I think it's going to be, it's going to be a viper trip. But how much of that 24-point spread is baking in questions on quarterback? Right. Because I think if – I'll put it this way. Especially with, with Hanks King playing Saturday, I think that if there was no question about around quarterback – we'd be looking at what Arkansas, Alabama should have been before Bryce Young got hurt, and that would have been 51-10, to 10, something like that. <laughs> All right, look, Jalen Milrose got his shot Saturday. He does. If, if he's the starter, and we think he is. I know everyone knows Bryce Young. Jalen Milrose is really, really popular on campus. They love Jalen Milrose. And I would venture to think maybe Saturday you'll find out why. All right, look, 
I, I think Mississippi State's extremely underrated. I think Utah's extremely underrated. TCU, though, was a team that you were talking to me about earlier today. You think they're extremely underrated, and I kind of have to agree with you. Yeah, I think that right now we don't know where to rate them. I think after Saturday we'll know a couple of things. But really, Kansas, like we picked TCU to beat Kansas, but I think what's going to happen because Kansas is a good football yeah. team. And it's not just a nice story because a lot of people want to make that to be a nice story and they haven't played anybody, whatever. Kansas is a legitimately good football team. So if TCU beats them, what it's going to do more than anything is confirm what happened last week. And that wasn't a fluke. And that Oklahoma didn't, they didn't have prep time for Oklahoma or they had a knucklehead game. That's just who they are. And, you know, we talk about how hard it is to do a top 10 every Sunday night. TCU wins that game by one point. They're in my top 10. Yeah, here's the other thing that's happening. You know Oklahoma's headed to the SEC. You know Texas is headed to the SEC. What you're starting to see right now is a lot of, a lot of jockeying amongst the teams that are going to be there for the long haul, whatever the long haul is right now in the yep. era of conference realignment. But TCU, it's one of those programs people have always talked about. In the South, they talk about Georgia Tech. And, ooh, I wonder if anyone could ever get it right there. And Gary Patterson was at TCU forever, it felt like. And Sonny Dykes has gone over there, and it's just that – it's that snap, man. It's that, it's that lightning factor. And all of a sudden, you look at them and you say, where did these players come from? Well, some of them were always there. They just weren't necessarily utilized in the way they are But right are now. you surprised that it's happened this fast? Uh, in 2015, I would say, yeah. Now, I, I'm not surprised that anything happens like that anymore. And I also think when you watch what Leipold's doing at Kansas, obviously what Sonny Dykes is doing, you've got Lincoln Riley doing it a different way. Sure. But doing it at USC... It so destroys the concept of patience for any new hire in the future. Because you get, you get Mel Tucker thrown in your face, not this year, but last year's version. Yep. You get the, uh, the Sam Pittman effect at Arkansas. They're going to say, look, it took those guys no time at all. Why in the world should we give you two or three years? Like, that's what they've been asking Mike Norvell at Florida State. Why should we give you that time? He didn't need it. He didn't need it. Not understanding that there may be some pretty unique situations. Those guys may be given access to resources you don't have. Those guys... I can tell you for sure, in some cases, are allowed to make hires that some other guys want to make and aren't allowed to make. So it's, it's so much a case-by-case -case basis, but no one really wants to hear that. Well, I'll ask you another question, though. Is there the potential, because we, we know some of these are a little bit of fool's gold, is there a potential that they don't cash in quick enough on winning at Kansas, winning at TCU, and it comes back around, like we saw at Syracuse, where you know, you're hot, you won 10 games at a school nobody expected you to win 10 games at. Did you, you didn't parlay that, and now you kind of fell back to earth. So is that a possibility? Yeah, I don't want to go negative on your show. No, I know, I know. I, I brought you in here specifically to do that. <laughs> I think that it's possible, and I also think you could ask that from the coaching standpoint. You know, a lot of people right now are asking that about Matt Campbell at Iowa State. Sure. A lot of people know that he's had offers to get out of there. If you want to phrase it that way, he may be perfectly content there. And now you look at Iowa State, and they've already lost multiple games this year. They, they massively underachieved, in my opinion, last year, uh, which felt like the year that was in front of them to click. And all of a sudden, you don't hear Matt Campbell's name as much anymore. Right. And so you can ask it about a program. You could ask it about coaching. I think you could turn the volume down in Lawrence, Kansas. I think you could ask it about Lance Leipold right now. I because you've you got... It's, it's such a perfect storm. If you're his representation, and I don't even know who represents him, it's such a perfect storm. You can go to the Southeastern Conference if you want. You yep. can go to Wisconsin if you want. You can stay in Kansas if you want. There are going to be jobs open everywhere. 
Instead of running to USC. Yes, instead of running to USC. All right, uh, you got a game that's off the radar. And it's, it's not really off the radar, but we didn't do a breakdown on it the other night. Florida State at NC State. And it's got a lot of people's interest peaked because the number on this is three and a half. And really, that's including home field being baked in. So yep. we're looking at this game happening in Raleigh, and we've got NC State hosting FSU and odds makers just openly telling you if they played this game in Atlanta, we would just say, pick your winner. Moneyline special. And I'm really interested in, number one, how this game plays out. But this, to me, I mean, I know it's tough love given he's a college kid. This line, to me, is such a direct indictment on Devin Leary and how we have not seen that game, much less those games from him, that someone like me hoped he would string together this year as a like, he feels like a 10th-year senior. Well, and part of him, uh, part of NC State's sort of preseason top 10 hype was his upward tra- trajectory, right? But then what we've seen this year, and we flagged this last week, we both picked Clemson to win that game, um, because we were looking at the numbers and noticed of all the opponents, and this still it's the same after the Clemson game, if you take all of his opponents this year, all of NC State's opponents, they allow 9.5 yards about per passing attempt. If that was a team, they'd be 126th in yeah. the nation. Leary's throwing for, I think, 6.6 yards per. So about 20, 30% lower than the teams that they're facing. So he's doing worse than Furman or Campbell quarterbacks, like FCS, G5s. And on the flip side, you got a quarterback, Florida State, who's doing about 20, 30% better than what they, what they give up. So I think that there's two things here for me. One, I think it's an indictment on this offense, kind of like AM, where we said, Week six, you are who you are, a little bit. This is hard to dig out of that hole if you're that bad. But I think it also says something where we're looking at a team going on the road that's unranked. Although I'll say if Florida State's if, – if LSU can be ranked, Florida State probably sure. should be too. A team going on the road to unranked. They're going to play number 14 in the country, only three-and-a-half point spread. What did you call last season? What was your name for last season? Well, 2021 – was and will forever be known as the Renaissance season. What's your name for 2022? It is the Every Given Saturday Tour. <laughs> There's a shirt. There's a shirt. We got can we, can we get this shirt? I mean, look at how beautiful that is. The Every Given Saturday Tour represented in pristine white t-shirt form right here at Rounders in Tuscaloosa. Proceed, sir. So... That's, that's the name for this year, but it's not just a slogan. We want to put a slogan on everything as fans and kind of maybe blow up some upsets here or there, but Vegas is telling us it's yep. every given Saturday. Vegas is telling us that the gap between 14 and unranked on a neutral field is zero. Yeah. Maybe, maybe even Florida State's favorite. Same thing with uh, Tennessee going to Baton Rouge this weekend. Well, it's everywhere, though. You know, every, every Tuesday, I'm foolish enough to put out power ratings. <laughs> And Not only, polls. Yeah, well, it's true. We don't rank anything. Never rank anything. And they slander me. And the reason they say, listen. It's important to have support like that because the JP poll has fallen on tough times recently. And the reason they slander you is because, look. There, there is no skill in this right now. No. Behind the top no. three, it's, it's pretty easy to say Bama, Georgia, Ohio State in some form or fashion are top right. three. Dude, behind that, I just got news for you. Not to defend the JP poll, but I will. If 
odds makers at the major sports books mm -hmm. were to put out their honest to God power ratings, they would look no different. Bill Connolly puts out the S and P Plus. You got to know where to go to find it, and I think he should be a lot more promoted than he is. But but it's the same. It's just like spaghetti. Just like word salad, it might as well be. There's such a minute gap in power rating neutral field separation, about four through, honestly, 30, yep. that, that you could just throw them out there like dominoes. So I got a question for you because we deal with this every Sunday night when we make, or Saturday night, when we make a top 10. Um, and people are like, ah, you don't know what you're talking about. That top 10 is terrible. And I'm like, you're right. I yeah. don't. It's terrible. Because <laughs> um, it's so hard, but. In a year like this, where it is every given Saturday, and there is tons of parity, which, by the way, they said we needed to expand the playoffs to get it. We already got it. My question to you is, how do you deal with the two sides that you have to be? You have to be a fan that loves it, that's awesome, and then somebody that goes on record as picking not only games but against the spread. How do you deal with that? Is it more the fan that, that takes over because it is so much fun, and this is so much fun partly because there's parity? Well, you got to understand – they're casuals everywhere in life. Casual. Right. It sucks, but it's true. But look. The question is, how do we deal with casuals? And that's the answer. That's how we deal with casuals. Yep. Yep. So once you have a name for it and you've identified it, then you learn quickly how to sort of dispose of not the person, because there are plenty of good people who have casual takes. You got to dispose of the casual takes in your life. Hate the sin, not the sinner. That's exactly right. Okay. And so, I also think the challenge back is like if you tell me Tennessee or Michigan or whatnot, Utah is not a top seven or eight team. That's fine. Well, yeah. we all got opinions. Who is? You got to replace them with someone. You can't have a top three and then just question marks all the way down to fourteen and then just pick right. up where you left off. Let me tell you why it's hard this year. You mentioned it. You said top three, and then maybe we can think about Clemson and Michigan, but. This year, we're missing that second tier. Yes, hate, we are. I hate to talk about tiers. I know that, that triggers people. We're missing that sort of, let's say, tranche of teams that will go 10 and 2, will murder the teams that they're supposed to beat, handle their business. They're just not quite good enough to beat Ohio State, to beat Alabama. We're missing that because a lot pivots off of that in terms of modeling, in terms of predictions, because then you get this relative data point thing. And also, Conference isolation is killing us. I think there's four Big Ten teams that don't play Power Five out of yeah. conference this year. It's tough. It's, it's tough out there for us. Here's the other. The streets have never been rougher. Here's the other question, and we'll move on from this. If we were to talk in the language of tiers, since you brought us down that road, let me let you me just take this further. If we think we got a bunch of tier three, yep. By historical perspective, okay. By historical relativity, what we got to still find out is. Are Bama, Ohio State, and Georgia really tier ones, and we don't have anyone that's tier two caliber? Or are some of the perceived tier ones right now what we would historically rate tier two, and we just hadn't found out yet? Well, <laughs> I didn't hear any Ohio State. No. Okay, thank you. Um, it's, it's all relative, though, right? So if there is no tier two, and they're the tier two, then they're the tier one. Right. And that's the, you know, nerd Josh, I'll give him a shout out. He tweeted the other day, he's like, you know, everybody sucks. Jokingly. But, like, that's fun, right? If, if everybody sucks, that also means everybody's good. Sure. Um, so I think that that's something that we need to remember when we talk about that. But to your point, Georgia Sanford, we gave them a pass because of the coaching history. 
Georgia, Kent State were like, okay, they got a good quarterback. We can see, you know, being a little sleepy. Georgia was sleepy last week, too. And then what do we – I don't – I love Ohio State people. They they follow us on Twitter. They come – they show up for our videos. But what are we going to know about Ohio State at the end of the year? Because they haven't played anybody who's played anybody. And that's my concern. Yeah. I – it's exciting because it feels like we're like 10 weeks into the season and we're not. No, we're, we're not. We're going into week six right now. Yep. So there are so many of those teams that are maybe in that quote-unquote tier three area yeah. that are going to fall by the wayside in some cases because they have better. to play each other. Right. I'm just really interested, man, because it seems like everyone has that, that top level so crystallized. And I just I don't think it's going to be that easy. Well, and I do wonder how much of Alabama week two against Texas was their actual shortcomings or maybe just Texas is better than people think they yeah. are. Um, and, and that, you know, talking about Ewers versus Card this weekend, like, I don't know that there's a huge drop-off, and that's why I think Vegas hasn't moved that number too much. Because you've got teams like Texas, who even with their backup quarterback winning ball games, it's really hard right now to know if they're good or not. But like you said, week six, we've got a few more weeks to figure it out. It's a really interesting conversation to be had right now. Um, here's what I want to do. So, Jesse, if you're listening to me, uh, everyone say hey to Jesse, please. You see, a lot of people don't believe in Jesse, much like Santa Claus. But the people here in Tuscaloosa do believe in Jesse, and he is in living, breathing color down in Fort Lauderdale. No, we're not bringing him on the screen, but I'm telling him, Jesse. Jesse, if you can hear me, please show me the Ramen Noodle Express right quick. Because this is really this is really where we have to start to make our hay. Because we've got to have undefeated or close to an undefeated week, because I'm really tired of being below 500. We're on Louisville minus four and a half this week. We're on Buffalo plus two. And we're on Arkansas State plus 11 and a half. Okay, let's add two more teams here. Amongst the 15 bets that have been thrown at me. The other two games were on. Georgia Tech actually beat Pitt last week. Uh, judging by the ratings, you did not know that. Georgia Tech beat Pitt last week. We're taking Georgia Tech plus three and a half. They are at home against Duke. That is now the Brent Key era in Atlanta. And also, Miami, wait for it, of Ohio, plus six. They're playing Kent State. We're on Louisville minus four and a half. Buffalo plus two. Arkansas State plus 11 and a half. Uh, Georgia Tech plus three and a half in Miami of Ohio plus six. Hey, look, Bama minus 24 Saturday night. How do we feel about it? You're telling me, you're telling me no matter who starts at quarterback, Bama minus 24. You got money line guy over here taking eight in probably. Yeah. Well, here's, here's what's fun. It doesn't matter. Quarterback, it doesn't matter if you have the Heisman Trophy winner or not. Look, he may be right, though. I mean, real talk, he may be right. Because I want to go back just a second to that stat about yards per carry allowed. You know, the game plan, I think it's interesting to phrase it like this. I think I heard you say this. When we saw Jalen Milrow come in against Arkansas, we didn't necessarily see the Jalen Milrow offense being right. run. Right. We saw Jalen Milrow being put in on a moment's notice and they did what they could with him that day. For better or for worse this Saturday, we assume he's starting. And if he does, they've known it all week. Right. We get the Jalen Milrow experience, and I don't necessarily know that it's as fortified a defensive front 
for Texas A&M as, as people want to believe. So, look, it could be a situation. It, I'll say this. It wouldn't surprise me if we looked at that box score Saturday night and Bama's thrown it 16 times and they've run it 47 times and they've still won comfortably. So, in a lot of these games where a quarterback gets hurt, the backup quarterback has a package. Right. Seven to ten plays that they know really well, that they drill into them. They don't get all the reps, but they know these plays. And so sometimes they come out looking great because they got the defense on roller skates. They prepared all week. I don't know if anybody remembers, Tua came in for a game, and Georgia was a little. Yes. And then Jalen Hurts came in for a game and got a, kind of got them sideways. So the problem is we, for, for A&M, they didn't see that game last week. They saw Jalen Milrow running the Bryce Young offense, but we did get a glimpse. First touchdown. First touchdown, we saw a zone read, a pure zone read, where Milrow pulled it from the mesh point, read the defensive end, ran for a touchdown. It was a called run play, not an RPO, where the linebackers crash down and throws over the top. So we might see some of that Saturday. But, Josh, did, did you ever play Madden? Yeah, sure. Okay, so last week was kind of like Madden when you get mad and, and they're going for it on fourth and one. And when you're really just not thinking right, you put in punt block, right? Sure. That's what Arkansas ran against Alabama. And what happens in Madden when you don't stop them on fourth and one on that play? It gets ugly. End zone. Yeah. I don't ugly. think we're going to see that against A&M. I think it's going to be more of a slow bleed. That four yards of carry can't get them off the field. And then I think A&M's going to give them some short fields, too. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. Dead body. Look, the over-under on spills was three and a half, and we're way under right now. So I appreciate it. Okay, I'm appreciative of that. It's going to be a really fun weekend. Look, we've got multiple games to go to. These folks are going to be in Bryant-Denny Stadium Saturday night. We're going to be there, too. But before we got there, it was really important that we got out on the road this week. Our partners with Verbo made that possible. Our partners at Academy make that possible. But most importantly, the University of Alabama made it possible. And we appreciate you guys being here. Daniel Dillard, appreciate you being here, my friend. Can we get a Roll Tide chant on the way out, please? Appreciate you guys watching. Take care. God bless. We'll see you back here Sunday night. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean outrageous. Just search 
The rest is football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Leagues.